0: To Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network.
1: And now here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Third and final hour of Miller and Moulton in Lake City and surrounding areas, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte to Venice. We're just halfway home in the 239 because the bonus hour is back and intact. And in fact, one hour from now, Mark, he's going to put me on the spot. He's got a poll question, basically. It's going to throw me up against the wall and force me to answer it. So you're going to have to wait an hour from now, and it'll be hard-hitting, too. Hard-hitting.
0: I promised David I wouldn't derail the show until 9, and I plan on doing it at 9.01.
1: But we'll derail it now at eight oh one with Seth Everett, he of Sports with Friends, Hall of Justice, and Tech Stream. Follow him on Twitter at Seth underscore Everett. Thanks for uh, moving your weekly appearance up so we could talk NBA with Howard Beck at the bottom of the hour. How are you?
2: Happy to do it. Uh, you, you play harsher music at eight o'clock. <laughs> You're right. The open's a little harsher than the uh, than cool
3: the drops coming out of
0: break. Well.
2: I have to bring my A-game. Uh, besides, great segment with uh, Andy Staples, veteran of not only Sports with Friends, but Hall of Justice as well.
1: Yes, he's very versatile. He's, he's like player. you. Yeah. He's like you. All he's right. Like so you, I but told- not Jewish. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. I was kind of talking to... Always need a
0: goy in the room, Seth.
1: I was <laughs> say. Uh, so, here's the deal. I... Yeah. Normally, I like you to surprise the two of us Mm -hmm. from what it is that's on your mind and catch our natural reaction. But I actually warned Mark about something that I knew you were going to bring up, which is your dislike, disgust about Radio Row and the Super Bowl. No, it's not disgust. (laughs) My
2: only point about that is uh, I think the hosts lose their focus. And it's some of the worst radio you'll ever hear. Because the hosts, you know, forget about the thousands, hopefully, listeners to their shows, and they just think about the four people that are sitting in front of their booth. And then a guest comes in who has no connection to anything that they're talking about. And the the conversation ceases to be about the Super Bowl. It just be it becomes about tangent after tangent after tangent, but it's rudderless. And what I what I find is that hosts just don't do what makes hosts great. So Radio Row, to me, is a week of bad radio, and it's all markets. It's it's the it's New York, and it's it's it's, it's uh, Tampa, Florida. You know, Phoenix, Arizona, San Francisco. All these markets, the shows stink, and they know it.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can't wait to get back to Radio Row now and have Seth
2: on while we're Radio Row, man. Radio Row actually helped uh, my podcast because in San <laughs> but it Francisco, sucks. in but in it's San Francisco, ter-
1: with some of the worst radio ever,
2: it was in 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 San Francisco. Uh, the morning shows, none of the East Coast morning shows went, and this PR woman from uh, uh, Doritos uh, panicked started like calling every number in her rolodex and she called nbc sports radio where i was working at the time and they said can you talk to zach snyder the movie director and they called me because they were like what do we ask zach snyder and i said i'll i'll make you a deal I'll, I'll i'll handwrite questions for you guys to ask if you ask the pr person can I talk to him for 10 minutes for this new thing? I'm starting a podcast.
1: Ah, nice. And Zack
2: Snyder uh, right. came on Hall of Justice, and that's when he ripped Superman fans, and someone at Variety heard it and wrote about it.
1: Okay, nice. Uh, by the way, we have together, the you know, Miller and Moulton, we did three radio rows together. Okay. Right. I'm rethinking I... my
0: whole career right now because I thought some of those shows were terrific shows and apparently yeah. they couldn't have sucked more.
1: Right. We, and we disagree with you, Seth, for this reason. You mentioned all major markets. And see, in major markets, you get big-name guests. Okay? We've worked largely in mid to small markets. Mm-hmm. We don't get Hall of Famers in sports or actors and actresses on very often, although we've done better than most shows our size. Because, you know, we've had a very talented producer who's helped us for many years. All right. But so to us, to be able to bring on these people, even though they're pumping a deodorant or a product, right. okay, yep. that the audience knows it. They get the dog and pony show that has to take place. And if you get eight to 15 quality minutes with, you know, David Those Spade are and, and Chris Rock after they're done pumping their movie, who cares?
2: But you'll be the exception, not the rule. Because what will happen is you'll come out of a break and uh, Boomer Esiason will talk about his golf match that he had with uh, Patrick Mahomes' his uncle. and, and But, but it, there's no context whatsoever. And what people realize, and you guys do this masterfully, is people realize that people listen to shows for five minutes at a clip, ten minutes at a clip. They come in, come out. And this is an old radio complaint you know in in radio what happens is they don't reset and what what'll go on is you know it'll be one of I'm just picking on Boomer Esiason just because I'm it's in front of mind but it'll be some Bengals teammate from 1984 and then they'll start talking about something and they'll never reset they'll never refocus and a lot of times what happens is the big story in sports whether it's LeBron James or Kyrie Irving or a baseball trade or whatever happens to be gets completely ignored. And it's lame. And it's lame. And, yes, I'm stereotyping and I don't mean to be, but Radio Row, from a listening standpoint,
1: literally blows.
2: (laughs) Wow. Literally.
0: Everybody, not figuratively. Literally.
1: literally, Right. (laughs) Right. And on radio, you know, paint the picture. Mm -hmm.
0: However... You would like
1: Hmm. Seth Everett sports with friends, hall of justice and tech stream. Follow him on Twitter at Seth underscore Everett.
0: And the other thing that we know has you up in arms is the Kyrie Irving trade and Kyrie Irving in general. So I will just uh, throw it in underhanded. Kyrie got himself out of Brooklyn.
2: I know you're not a Brooklyn Nets fan, but uh, I could care less, but, uh, but this guy is the epitome of selfish. You know, between uh, last year and all the shenanigans with that, and I'm sorry, but uh, the the stuff that he decided to put on social media um, that still remained, by the way, for for a while, and the uh, the apology uh, to Jewish people was uh, taken down. I thought that was uh, you know. Weird.
1: I thought that was interesting, too. While he was still playing in a heavily Jewish area, okay, that the apology to the Jewish community remained up on his social media. But the minute he was traded away from the heavily Jewish community, the apology came down. I I just realized the
2: whole thing. He's just a, he's just a slime ball. And, uh, you know, with his flat earth nonsense and, you know, just look, everybody's entitled to their opinions and all that stuff. I just, I, I muted him. Uh, I I muted the words Kyrie and Irving, uh, which is bad because I'm not getting all my Julius Irving, uh, tweets that i normally get, (laughs) which is shame, but you know, Hey, you know, sacrifices need to be made. Um, And, you know, this idea that uh, the Nets traded him to Dallas because he wanted to go to the Lakers, I think is just priceless. And, you know, first of all, congratulations to LeBron James. Um, I've been a LeBron James fan for a long time. I I think the amount of pressure that was on that guy when he was 17 years old and he answered the call and then some, um, just an amazing player. Uh, Although I saw on Twitter that he was close to getting the record and I didn't flip the station one second. <laughs> I didn't put it on. I just said, oh, "I'll see it. I'll see it in the morning. I'll see it on Twitter and I'll see it on social media." And I did.
0: Well, it happened around midnight, so that's not much of a surprise. That uh, I mean, I know you're a night owl, Seth, but at some point, even you know, West Coast basketball is what it is.
2: I don't know if McDavid's going for a hat trick. I probably put it on.
1: It's just me. LeBron, by the way, hit a um, not quite a Dirk. Uh, Fade away, uh, but uh, you know, off one Uh, Dirk-esque, Dirk-esque, okay, bird bird-esque. By the way, okay, from just inside the foul line for the bucket to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and set the all-time record in the Lakers' loss last night. We do have a question that was submitted in the Twitch chat room when we were on Radio Row. This is back in 2009. It is January 2010, actually. All right, and it's important to bring up that time frame because of this guy's status at that time. The Papa John's guy was working the room. I wanted to interview of the Papa John's guy. Mark and our then producer John vetoed it 2 to 1 I lost. Who was right?
2: You're asking me? Yes.
1: Is there oh, another get guest? The guy? Yeah, have
2: the guy. Wait a minute.
1: Mark, aren't you confused? Did he just I'm say really it?
0: confused.
1: I thought
2: most- I, I thought that was a slam dunk win for me, and I just found out no, no, no. no. because because what are, what are you gonna? You're not gonna go sit there. You're gonna focus on whatever you guys were talking about. There's a difference in in in. It's not about having a guy or not having a guy. It's about going to just losing your minds. To me, the, the, the problem with Radio Row isn't the guests. It's the hosts. <laughs> Put the guy on, but f- keep the show focused and think about the listeners. That's all.
1: Well, uh, you know, Mark and John, he, 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 you know, solicited a friend to help him out there. They, they, uh, they nixed the Papa John's guy. I also got to admit, selfishly thought if we bring the Papa John's guy, I bring pizza. There you go course
0: right so just so wanted I, a free pie anything for a pizza even a store even a chain mediocre pizza at which that is,
1: which is another reason which why it w- wouldn't mark, have
2: been said if you had the papa john's guy on
1: well i i don't know mark's mark can't hold back when it's a, a national chain restaurant he really can he hates them all
2: i've been to uh two radio rows i went to uh san diego for super bowl 32 uh Broncos Packers and then I went to the one in New Jersey uh with right. uh, the Seahawks See. and the Broncos. Yeah.
1: So you've seen a win and a loss by the Broncos. Uh, got about a minute Sports with Friends Hall of Justice textring.
2: Uh Sports with Friends does not plug a product but there are sponsors. <laughs> uh it's the Hall of Famer James Lofton. A guy I've been trying to get on for uh since week 1. Uh, we finally got our schedules to sync up and he actually said it's too chaotic at Radio Row. Can we record it before I leave? So we recorded it, like, Sunday night before he left for uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So he's making the, the rounds, but uh, this was a, a very poignant interview. Uh, Hall of Justice is a, a guy by the name of Zeno Robinson. He plays Invisible Kid in a great new movie. It's called Legion of Superheroes. It's out on Warner Brothers. And TechStream is ChatGPT wants to charge, and I think that's ridiculous.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about, but I agree. Seth Everett, Sports with Friends, Hall of Justice, Tech stream. Follow him on Twitter, Seth underscore Everett. Seth, thanks for moving your appearance up. We appreciate no it. No problem.
2: Say hi to Howard Beck.
1: And he'll join us in 25 minutes here on Miller & Moulton.
0: You're listening to Miller & Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Howard Beck, Sports Illustrated, and the Crossover Podcast. We'll talk some association. LeBron setting the record in a loss last night. It's a key loss, too. They need as many W's as possible to get into the play-in. Oklahoma City playing second of back-to-backs, and they lose at home to Oklahoma City. It's not a good look. score, 130 and lose regulation? What the heck? Oh, talk to Howard Beck. Trade deadlines, what, 30 and a half hours away? 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon?
0: Nets have come out and said they're not dealing KD.
1: <laughs> okay. Yet at the same time, they apparently are huddling with him, trying to convince him to stay. Which begs the question, if he wants to leave, why don't you trade him now? I mean, teams get an extra run at a KD. They get three and a half, if you will, or three and a third at a KD. I mean, but anyway, that's what they say, Mark. That's what they say.
0: And we talked a little LeBron and the record and where he stands all time. David brought up a LA Times piece that compared LeBron to Michael. And it seems to be, this is it. you know, Felipe thinks LeBron's the GOAT. Mm -hmm. I think there are many of his age bracket that will, it's who they watched. It seems that it's an argument that you can't get certain people to ever even contemplate let alone think that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. For There seems to almost be a line of demarcation at a certain age that says, well, no, no chance, no how.
1: Well, Mark Deeks covers the NBA for Forbes. We had him on Monday. I mean, he's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but LeBron's the best I've ever seen. So, Okay. I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, who am I to tell you that, you know, you thought Marino was better than Elway? Yeah, but Elway won two Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Marino was better. If I had the choice between the two of them, I'd take Dan. Oh, okay. I mean, are you wrong? I may disagree, but it doesn't make you wrong. So... I just think it's remarkable. It would be like in this era, Mark, you and I are into golf. It would be like in this era, if someone came along and threw a career on the board that was worthy of comparing to Tiger Woods, just even comparing to Tiger Woods. Like in the post-Tiger era, the era that we're in now, if you will. Is Rory the best player of the era? You know, majors, he's tied with Kepka. You know, but just worldwide, Ryder Cup, what have you. He's been, you know,
0: he's won a lot more, obviously. There's majors and then there's wins, and Rory has a bunch of wins.
1: And here he was in 2022, finishing number one on both major tours. He won the DP World Tour title, and he won the you know, season-long title on the PGA Tour. You could argue he was the number one player in the world. I have no idea what the World Golf Rankings say, and quite frankly, the World Golf Rankings are a a joke. joke. So, you know, here he was winning majors in 2011, and here he is in 2022, arguably the number one golfer in the world. If he's the best player, you know, Tiger's prime was 97 through 2008, really. But if you want to extend it, he won five times in 2013. I think he was the player of the year and he won the Varden trophy that year. So if you extend it even to 2013, if that's Tiger's run, so to speak, and Rory's the best golfer in eight to 10 years, when Rory's run is pretty much done for as great as he is. He's not in the area code of Tiger Woods.
0: No. No. You know what would have to happen for him to just get in the area code? Yeah, he'd have to win like six, eight more majors. Right, he'd have to basically win one a year for the rest of the time that he plays.
1: And here is a basketball player in the very next era after Jordan who at least he can raise his hand and go, well, I think you got to talk about me. I mean, you know, let's face it. We Many people thought that guy was going to be Kobe. I mean, you do have to acknowledge. I mean, for whatever reason, Kobe, I mean, certainly in Los Angeles, Kobe's more popular. But, I mean, come on. Better player, LeBron or Kobe? LeBron.
0: I don't think it's Kobe, close.
1: You know, Kobe came out of high school six years before LeBron did. You know, he got the head start. Very first vote in our Twitch chat room, by the way, Kobe.
0: Also, someone who has spent the majority of the show explaining, bashing LeBron, bashing LeBron and explaining why Jordan's better seventy-four different times.
1: <laughs> I think if we asked Bill Wennington, or right, LeBron, okay, Wennington would get his vote. Yes, uh, very underrated off the bench on those Bulls teams. <clears throat>
0: 21,000 is the text line, triple zero. If you've never texted the show before, FSN radio is the keyword. Once you do that, you're in. Most of you have. If you haven't, we welcome you to text the show.
3: I will say, I think a label that it cannot be denied is the fact that LeBron James is the greatest all-around basketball player of all time. I'm no. talking all no. around, like, can do it no. all.
1: No. No. Uh, no. No. You may, and you know, once again, it's your opinion. So I know technically it's not wrong. All right. But by all around, you're talking rebounds and assists, but also defensively. Yes. Okay. Here's the problem. You could, even though LeBron has the most points all time, you could argue Jordan's the better scorer. I mean, he averaged more points per game. I agree, actually. Okay. All right. Well, you certainly have to say, even though LeBron's probably the iconic play of his career, is that blocked shot in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Jordan was the far superior defensive player. So Jordan's the better scorer and the better defensive player. LeBron's the better passer. And LeBron's the better rebounder.
3: I don't know that I would say Jordan is a far superior defender.
1: Far. No, 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 no. No, 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 Felipe. Felipe, I'm sorry. His career was done before you were born. He was the far superior defensive player far superior. All right.
0: Five times all defensive player, you know, on the all defensive team. And I think one defensive player of the year once.
1: Yeah. I mean, seriously, when, when he wanted to, okay, he would just say, I got him. That was it. It was all, it was when Jordan in his prime, he was Dion as a cover corner. When Jordan decided you weren't scoring, you were done. I, I think you could say the same about LeBron.
3: Um, he could guard all five positions. Could he guard all? guess he can. He, he could. I'm gonna go Absolutely. from. I'm gonna lock down the center. Now I'm gonna but, lock down their point guard. Now I'm gonna lock down their small forward. Well, there's a
1: difference between guarding all five positions and locking.
3: Yeah. Oh, no, locking. Right like Tim Duncan is gonna get shut down in this game seven of this NBA Finals because I'm winning this Finals. All lockdown.
1: Right. Well, we we disagree on that. Okay. I think most NBA people would tell you Jordan was the better defender. But he's amazing. I mean, LeBron's amazing. And he's not done. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's top five, top six in the league in scoring right now. He's averaging 30 points, eight rebounds, seven assists a game. He's 38 years old. And does anybody think he's not going to, you know, hopefully not, he stays healthy for the next couple years? I mean, does anybody not think he's gonna score twenty two to twenty five points a game two, three years from now?
0: We'll say it may be one of the best F bombs dropped on national TV too.
1: <laughs> Just
0: that was all time. <laughs> he's got that.
1: Oh, you're looking for the six seconds of truth. You got it.
0: Miller and Moulton. Little NBA talk next, Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 22 minutes before the top of the hour. Miller and Moulton of Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Bonus hour to come. Our question of the day will be at the top of the hour. And an hour from now, Good, Bad and Ugly, What's on Tap, Today Was the Day When, all that good stuff. Howard Beck is kind enough to join us. We're very excited to have Howard on the show. He's a tremendous NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. He also co-hosts, along with Chris Mannix, the Crossover Podcast. You can follow Howard on Twitter at Howard Beck. Howard, it's David and Mark. Thanks for joining us, particularly at this hour. How are you?
3: Hi, guys. Good morning. Uh, A little tired because I stayed up uh, late to watch LeBron's post-game press conference on TV last night, so that was a little bit less sleep than normal, but I think I'll uh, be semi-coherent.
1: Your thoughts on the occasion?
3: Well, I I think, you know, not that unique uh, among many of us who have either covered this league, watched this league, and enjoyed the greats of the NBA over any time over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, like, I just did not ever expect we would see this moment. Um, I don't think anybody ever anticipated we would see this moment. And and all records, you know, are made to be broken. That's the cliche. And uh, it's not that it was ever impossible. It just felt very unlikely because you had to play 18, 20 years. You had to sustain your health. You had to sustain your production level, your greatness for, for so, so long to be able to even conceive of, of passing Kareem. And then on top of that, the guy who passed him came into the league as somebody who was viewed more as a pass first player, not a scorer in the mold of a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or even a Carmelo Anthony, LeBron's good friend and, and rival at times. And so that he was wired the way he was and came in talking all about, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, he himself was always saying, I'm not a scorer. Um, as recently as within the last few weeks again, I think he reiterated he doesn't view himself that way. And I think that's to his credit. It's kind of one of the virtues of his game is that he's always been about making the right basketball play and not forcing the issue or trying to um, score for scoring's sake. Uh, and I, I think I think he's stayed true to that uh, over the course of his career. And yet here he is anyway because he's been that great and that durable and that consistent. And so it's, it's remarkable.
0: And he's continued to improve on his game. Howard, what, what's impressed you most about the evolution of LeBron, where he's gotten better throughout all these years?
3: Well, you know, when he went to Miami, he didn't have really much of a, of a mid range or a post game. And he worked on that, uh, especially after they'd lost in the finals, the first time to Dallas. And he knew that he needed to um, diversify his game. Uh, His, you know, Mid-range jumper, as well as his three-pointer. You know, anything further from the basket was, you know, the, the jumper was always a little suspect, and so he had to work on that over the years. There was the one finals against the Spurs, where they kept basically backing off of him and, and daring him uh, to shoot. Um, and so, you know, he he basically said, "Well, I, now I got to I got to punish teams for doing that." Um, so it's everything. I guess he's never been satisfied just to be. You know, a freight train that nobody could get in front of, or a guy who was impossible to stop and transition. Um, you know, you, you could always nitpick and say, well, you know, this could be better. That could be better. You know, his free throw shooting could be better. His percentage wasn't, you know, not, not spectacular, but, um, he, he, he worked on everything that was missing over the years. And so again, back to the idea of, you know, what we think of as a scorer, he's all, he's now by definition the all time greatest. Uh, score, but you if people want to, again, get into the the weeds on it, you could say, well, you know, Michael Jordan had a more diverse array of moves and ways to score, or even, you know, again, guys like Kobe Bryant or Carmelo Anthony um, might have been viewed as a higher-skilled scorer because of the moves they had, the places they could score from, the ways they could beat you, and LeBron maybe didn't have as much you know refining to all of those moves as as some of those guys did, but you know, he also had the benefit of being, you know, six nine and incredibly strong and fast and agile and uh, being able to, to score in ways that some of those guys never could. And so um you know it, it it almost becomes this pointless thing if you're if you're getting the weeds about, well technically this guy did these things better. You know, he scored more points than anybody in history. And part of that, of course, is longevity. But longevity is, is, a, is to his credit, too. There's a little bit of luck involved if you can play 20 years without a serious injury. But, you know, conditioning matters and commitment to the game matters and, um, you know, all of those things. And, you know, he, he's, he's, he's earned the title, however people want to view it.
1: Howard Beck? Covers the NBA for Sports Illustrated. Co-host with Chris Mannix, the Crossover Podcast. Follow Howard on Twitter at Howard Beck. Well, we've already had a major trade. We've got about 30 hours until the deadline. How active do you think it will be? And do you think there will be another trade that will be classified as major?
3: I talked to a GM of a team last night that was Definitely um, looking to be active still. And I could hear the frustration in their voice because the reality is uh, there just aren't enough sellers in the NBA this season right now. Now that could all change. Um, things could loosen up in the next, you know, 24, 30, 24, 30 hours or so. Um, the fact is, you know, over the last few years, the NBA instituted first You know, new drafts, or excuse me, uh, lottery odds that flattened the odds, uh, made it less of an incentive to be awful to tank. And so the flattened lottery odds have had a little bit of an impact on on teams trying to race to the bottom. And then they instituted the play-in tournament, so now teams just have to be 10th in their conference out of 15 to make the play-in. And if you make the play-in, of course, you could potentially make the playoffs. And so now, if you're 11th, you're 12. You're trying to get to 10th. and the guys who are in seven to 10 are trying to get out of the plane and get to six, and the guys who are in six are trying to get to the top four to have home court advantage. So it's it's great uh, work by the NBA that they've created a, a framework now that incentivizes every team to compete. If, for people who love transactions and trade rumors and, and actual trades, it's tough because it means that a lot of teams feel like they should be buying instead of selling or standing pat. And so uh, right now the frustration among teams that are really looking to make a move, especially among the the contenders or possible contenders, is there's nobody to make a deal with um, or very few teams to make a deal with. And so uh, the market's a little bit locked up. Um, Nobody wants to sell off anybody for, for too little, and they're probably asking for too much because of how tight the market is.
0: The Kyrie to Dallas trade, just your thoughts on what that does to the Mavs and their shot in the West, and do they need to still add another piece?
3: Yeah, listen, I mean, you can make the case, certainly, that that's now one of the best one-two punches in the league, in Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, you can make the case that's, if you want to say, the most potent backcourt in the NBA, that's fine. Um, They traded one of the best defenders in the league in Dorian Finney-Smith to acquire a player who Defends when he feels like it in Kyrie. So their three best players, the Mavericks, Luca, Kyrie, Christian Wood, are all generally minuses on defense or certainly not pluses on defense. And so the Mavericks are are basically all in on just trying to outscore you at this point. And maybe they will, and maybe that will help uh, them make a run. I'm skeptical. The West is wide open, and there is no clear favorite. Um but I'm highly skeptical that the Mavericks are making a run to the finals with this lineup, uh, and that's to you know not even getting into the fact that Kyrie Irving has shown repeatedly, including here in Brooklyn where I live, uh, that he is less than reliable, and um, you know always always feel, seems like a few minutes away from you know throwing some kind of grenade into the season, um, and so you know the the, the Mavericks will try to figure that out, just as the Nets did for a few years, just as the Celtics did before that. And, you know, he's incredibly talented, and, and we'll see. But I'm, I, even just from a basketball standpoint, I don't see the Mavericks as a contender until they can figure out their defense. And I think that's another team that is certainly very aggressively trying to make another move before the deadline.
1: Howard, how necessary is defense in this NBA? Because, like, Teams are scoring 130 and losing regular season games. Now I know the playoffs are different, but I'm just wondering: Can you lean more offensively in constructing your team than ever before?
3: It's an interesting question. You know, defense in some ways—you you, know—you put aside the points per game stat, and you know, even to an extent, put aside the points per 100 possessions or offensive efficiency stat that we know. Generally use and the defensive efficiency stat again which is you know adjusted for for pace and possessions um it's all relative right, like if you're in an era where teams are averaging ninety points or you know where you' know, you're in the ni- the nineteen nineties and everybody's you know grinding to these like seventy to sixty eight games um okay then you need you, you know then 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 eighty or ninety points is a really good night in this era. You know, 100 points is probably a minimum, and 120 or 130 might be closer to what you need on some nights. But it's all relative. So when you say, is defense necessary, or can you just lean into offense, I think there's some truth to that, and it's an interesting thought exercise, but it's all relative to the area you're in. So there are still teams that play great defense in this league. Um, Cleveland, Boston, Milwaukee, uh, Memphis, and the Warriors last season when they won the title – And it's still generally the case that no matter the era, the team that wins the championship, teams that are in the finals, uh, by and large, not 100% of the time, but very close to that, are top 10 defensive teams. And when I say top 10, I mean top 10 defensive efficiency. So it's weighted based on possessions. So it is adjusted to the era. And, yeah, at some point, you've got to be able to stop the other team's best scores. You've got to be able to, even in a high-scoring game, Maybe it's just a few possessions that make the difference. You know, the the old joke about the NBA always just coming down the last two minutes, right? You don't have to turn on the game until then. Um, And At that point, you've got to be a team that knows how to get stops. So defense absolutely still matters.
0: What move do the Heat have to make to make themselves a contender in the East if there's one that they can make?
3: Yeah, I I hate to, to be reductive on this, but it's really as simple as In the NBA, again, one of these kind of immutable laws is you've got to have an elite scorer, um, at least one, sometimes multiple. Obviously, again, that's what Dallas is trying to do with with Luka and Kyrie, right? Um, The Heat have a a phenomenal player in in Jimmy Butler and a great player in Bam Adebayo, and they've got a bunch of good role players, and and Tyler Hero certainly has come a long way. But they don't have a scorer at the level of you know, a prime time Kevin Durant or a prime years LeBron or Steph Curry uh, or Kawhi Leonard even. And, and so, you know, and, and as much as um, Jimmy can, can score at a high level when he wants to, it's not the way he's wired. It's kind of the, what I love about his game is that he's a guy who is going to fill up the box score in a lot of ways, but he's not the guy who says, don't worry about it. I'm going to go out and get 30 tonight and tomorrow night and the next night. And so I it, to the, the question to me has always been, or the, the answer to your question has always been, he need one of those guys, or at least they need another, you know, Jimmy Butler, bam on a bio level player. You know, if, if you can't get one of those top five, top six, top seven guys who can just manufacture offense out of thin air, if you can't go get yourself a Luca or a primetime James Harden, any of those guys, then you need to at least have uh, just an array of scores. And, you know they're so great defensively, the Heat on their best nights, that they can win a lot of games with you know just defense and and the the, uh, the scoring that they do have. But I'm I'm skeptical of them as a contender because they lack you know that that elite elite level score.
1: And if you assume that Butler, Adebayo, and Hero are off limits, I don't know if they have the resources to get that player that you are talking about. He's Howard Beck. He covers the NBA for Sports Illustrated. He and Chris Mannix host The Crossover. It's a tremendous NBA podcast. Follow Howard on Twitter at Howard Beck. Howard, uh, thanks for uh, doing this, particularly at this hour. We know how sleep-deprived you are. Safe travels, be well, (laughs) and hopefully we can talk uh, after the deadline and before the playoffs. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Howard Beck. Follow him on Twitter at Howard Beck.
0: Doing those post-game press conferences does keep you up a little late watching West Coast games.
1: No doubt. By the way, our buddy Orlando Alcigari feels that the Heat should trade Jimmy Butler. That he's like, listen, if you want to actually take the next step, that Butler's at about peak value right now. And his belief is that this team can't win it, and you might as well trade Jimmy Butler.
3: For Kevin Durant?
1: Well, see, that's the way – and I don't think that's what he's talking. I think he's talking in which Butler's the best player in the trade, but that basically – you know, he says the the Dolphins blew it with Xavier Howard also, that he felt they needed to trade him during this past season, that now it's you're going to get diminishing returns, et cetera. We all know that's not going to happen, but just thought I'd throw that out there. David has called it the question of the day. I don't know if it's that, but
0: it is a a debate that Moulton and I had before the show. We will rehash it in the bonus hour. Thanks for listening. Miller and Moulton, right here on the Florida Sports Network.